Some of us were raised by parents who were careful to remind us always to remember our P's and Q's. That is to remember to say please and thank you. Of course, sometimes you receive a gift you didn't ask for and so are led to express gratitude then too, but most certainly when you get something you actually asked for, following up with a word of thanks is only fitting. Today on Groundwork, and as part of our look at some virtues urged on us in the New Testament, we consider thanksgiving, gratitude, as a hallmark of Jesus' followers. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And Daryl, this is now episode three in a six-part series on some of the virtues Christians are to display in their lives. As we said in the first program, uh, beyond the nine fruit of the Spirit, beyond the virtue triplet of faith, hope, and love, Paul and others in the New Testament urge other virtues on us as well. And in this series, we've looked already at compassion and humility. Today, we're taking up thanksgiving or gratitude. Still to come in the remaining three programs, uh, generosity, truthfulness, and forgiveness. It's interesting how a lot of these overlap with each other, Scott. In the last episode, when we talked about humility, mm-hmm. a little bit of gratitude and thanksgiving came up mm-hmm. in that one. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to dig deep into what thankfulness and gratitude are in this episode so we can cover it a little clearer. And I think uh, maybe a first thing to note is that when it comes to gratitude, many of us have kind of this keen, intuitive sense that somehow life is out of joint when people do not express thankfulness. If people don't ever say thanks, it's like some loop hasn't been closed. So it's kind of a cultural unspoken norm. It's a If you don't do it, it's a faux pas and you step on a mine and you kind of damage something yeah. if you don't say thank you in return. And if you've ever given somebody a gift, maybe something they weren't expecting, um, you know, you just give an extra gift to somebody. If you never hear back, right? if you never get a thank you card, if they never say something, it kind of stings. In fact, it stings enough that I know I've said this and maybe you have too and others too. Well, that's the last time I ever give her anything. Boy, I, you know, I gave her this beautiful gift. It was handmade, you know, I brought them a beautiful meal and they didn't say thanks when I dropped it off. They didn't drop a card in the mail to say thanks. When they returned the dishes to the church kitchen, didn't put a note in there. Last time I bring them a meal, it just doesn't feel right, does it? No, it doesn't. And no one likes to be overlooked or taken for granted. And it's kind of ironic because we can get pretty upset about that as humans, but no one has experienced that more than God himself. And we had a great story in Luke 17 that shows how even Jesus could be taken aback by the unclosed loop of someone who got something and didn't say thank you. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, ten men there had leprosy, and they met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and and he was a Samaritan. But now here's the key. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give God praise except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So in this passage, Scott, Jesus uses the concept of, quote unquote, faithful foreigner Mm -hmm. as he's kind of zinging the people of God here by calling the Samaritan out as a Samaritan. And this person who you despise is actually showing the way of gratitude by coming back to Jesus and thanking him. And so the relationship isn't going to be transactional for this person. They actually close the loop. 
Exactly. 90% of the people Jesus just healed of leprosy don't say a thing to him. And apparently that lack of gratitude, that lack of uh, unexpressed thankfulness takes God aback even. But as you said a little while ago, Daryl, I mean, probably no being in the universe has no more experience with not getting thanked for the things he does than God himself. I mean, think about it. Do all of us always make sure that we loop back to God to say a word of thanks in response to every single request (laughs) we make in our prayers? Do we always do that? No, we don't. Actually, if we're really honest with ourselves, we would know that we ask God for the gimme, gimme, gimme's before we say the thank you, thank you, thank you's for the things that he has done. I think that as an exercise, I want to just start a prayer by thanking God for things before I ask. Actually, Jesus gives us that model in the Lord's mm-hmm. Prayer where we put God in his high place of holy and reverent. And we did a series on the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. where we showed people Jesus' model where he acknowledges God for who he is way before he asks for bread or forgiveness or anything else. Exactly. Yeah, you'd like to think you had a one-to-one correlation between every request you make and then following up everyone um, with a prayer of thanks. I mean, you know, I don't know about a lot of people, but we, we rattle things off. You know, Dear God, please keep your kids safe at school this week. Please help me to do well in my job this week. Uh, please be with Jill on her algebra test. And then the kids are safe. Things go well at work. Algebra test goes fine. And we go on. Uh, and we don't say, oh, yep, now before I go to bed tonight, I got to say thank you that the kids are safe. Thank you that the job went well. Thank you for the algebra test. We leave a lot of unexpressed gratitude out on the field, I'm afraid, if we're honest. Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know if it's a short-term memory kind of thing, mm. but we move on to the things that we need next before we even acknowledge that God did close the loop on those other things and we say thank you for them. And it's uh, challenging for us to, you know, actually think about a lifestyle of what it means to live thankfully. And it doesn't speak well of us when we forget to say thanks to God, but maybe that's in, uh, especially in our times of worship. We need to give God thanks for everything, even as we admit to God that we've probably received more than we keep track of most of the time. But maybe that's why the Psalms um, so often make a posture of thanksgiving, a kind of coverall way to come before God. I mean, we'll take a few verses here. Here's one, Psalm 69, verse 30. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. So there's just kind of like a, a default setting. This is just what I'm going to do. I'm going to... Praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. What I like about these psalms, and we're going to read another one here soon, is the fact that these were continued in the context of worship Mm -hmm. so that you could thank God for big things and for small things. Look at what it says in Psalm 95, too. It says, let us come before God with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So it's all completely together, singing and thanking God and music. And very famously from a familiar psalm to many of us, Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And what's interesting about all three of these psalm lines that we just read, Daryl, they aren't saying give thanksgiving to God for this, this, and this, right? They aren't saying, uh, you know, bring a list with you. And no, they're saying you just generally enter in a posture of thanksgiving. You recognize that you have received more than you've kept track of. You recognize that you haven't kept up with giving thanks to God for every single thing that you've received from God. So just enter his gates saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, And if somebody says to you, what are you thanking God for? You say, everything, (laughs) everything. 
Yeah, and that's how we are supposed to live. And in just a moment, we're going to talk about the nature of gratitude and why it's only fitting for this to be the kind of posture that Christians should follow when they follow Jesus. So stay tuned. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. Uh, Daryl, some while back, uh, I realized that in some languages, there's this curious verbal link among the words that can mean please, uh, the verb that means to ask for something, as well as what you say when someone thanks you and you say some version of, well, you're welcome. So in German, for instance, the word bitte means please. The verb bitten means to ask for something. But when you give something to someone, and maybe they had asked you politely and said, bitte, please, could I have that? When you say, here it is, then the person who says, you're welcome, also says, bitte, right? So bitte means please, bitte means asks, bitte means you're welcome. And an Italian friend of mine said that the same is true in Italian. Prego means both please and you're welcome. So it, it's like almost verbally in some of these languages, Daryl, uh, the connection between please and receiving and thank you and you're welcome they're all they're all in the same soup oh yeah and so it also happens in spanish you know gracias means thank you in spanish and grazie means thank you in italian and so the grazie that's coming through is actually the root word that we get grace from and that's really powerful to see that grace is connected to thanks as well and indeed, in the Greek and the New Testament, uh, the, the, the word for grace, so when Paul says you're saved by grace and so forth, that's charis. But thanksgiving is you charis. And as you could already hear, there are probably a lot of people, um, that's where a word that some traditions use for the Lord's Supper comes from. We call the Lord's Supper Eucharist. We commune with God at the table of, of, of Eucharist. It's a table of, of thanks. It's a table of thanks and a table of remembrance. And so we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul making it clear. He said, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. We, who are many, are one body and we all share one loaf. So he calls them thanksgiving and participation in Christ's body. Right, which is, again, where Eucharist came from for the Lord's Supper. It's a table of thanksgiving. It's the cup of thanksgiving. And again, we see there what we saw in some of the Psalms in the previous part of the program that we're just kind of in a posture of abiding thanksgiving. It's an appropriate posture for Christian disciples of Jesus. I mean, we've already been given the greatest gift in the world, salvation by grace alone. And that just puts us into a spot of gratitude. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, therefore a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So the entirety of our lives as saved people, Daryl, is because we got grace. 
And where I come from, the prayer that we pray is if we don't thank you for anything, God, we thank you for everything. Mm -hmm. Because the very most important thing you've done for us is even if you don't give us the car, even if you don't give us the relationship, even if you don't give us the job or the raise, you sent your son Jesus to die, gave us the best gift ever, salvation for our souls. And we thank you for that if we don't thank you for anything else. We marinate in God's grace. We swim in it. I saw a book a while back. Grace is where we live. I like that. And I think they maybe got that idea from a little bit farther down in Romans 5. Therefore, Paul writes, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I like that idea, Daryl. We're standing in grace. I love it, too. There's an old hymn that says we're standing on the promises of God and we're standing in grace. It's literally uh, taking over our lives and we're steeped in it. And it's a beautiful thing. But I'm curious to know how conscious are we of the fact that we live this gratitude filled life? There's always a danger because grace is invisible, right? I mean, it's a little like oxygen, right? You and I are breathing oxygen right now and we need it, but you can't see it. And so you don't spend a lot of your days thinking about oxygen. But the only time you do think about oxygen is if you get stuck in an elevator and think, are we going to run out of air? Uh, but otherwise, you know, you just don't think about it. You're in it all the time at oxygen, but you don't think about it. And grace can be that way. But the danger there is that if we do forget about grace, right, uh, if we do forget about it, then we, we turn things on, on their head. Because often I think what we pay more attention to instead of grace, Daryl, is our own good works and morality. Yeah, grace needs to be the spiritual air that we breathe. And uh, sometimes we do take that air for granted. And if we do take it for granted, like you're saying, we're going to default back to what we did, what we did right, what we did better than that person over there. And we're going to start comparing again to people around us and trying to pull ourselves up by what we think are bootstraps in this false meritocracy. But when we realize that our whole lives is grace, then we actually can thank God for all the good things that happen to us. Yeah, the good works we do are the fruit of grace, not the root of it. Uh, God doesn't grade us on the curve of our morality. He saves us while we I'm are so immoral. Right? He saves us while we were yet sinners. So you got to keep the right things in view. And it reminds me of Moses in Deuteronomy 8. You know, the Israelites, 40 years in the wilderness. Well, they knew they were dependent on God, right? Miracle manna had to appear. Water had to come gushing out of dry rocks in a arid place. They knew that they were dependent on God, but Moses knew things are going to change in the promised land. And so Deuteronomy 8, he's got a warning for the people. He says, when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees, which I am giving to you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine homes and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands to produce this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Do not forget the Lord. Remember and do not forget. It's the theme uh, line of the whole book of Deuteronomy. You know, when you get water out of a rock, boy, you know God gave it to you. When you get water out of the well you dug, it's like, 
But God didn't give me the water. I, I did. I, I, I dug the well. God didn't give me food. I went to DNW to the grocery store, and I, you know, I bought a Stouffer's lasagna, and it's in the fridge. God didn't give it to me. I went and bought it with my own hard-earned money. Don't do that, Moses says. Remember grace. Basically, he's saying, remember grace, and that's what we're saying. We have to remember that we live in grace. We live neck deep, marinating uh, in grace, and that ought to foster an ongoing daily posture of overall thanksgiving. But what can we do even more to make sure that that happens? Well, as we close out the program, we'll think about some practical ideas, so stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork. And we have said so far on this uh, program, the third in our six-part series on Christian virtues, on, and we're looking at gratitude, we've said that our please God list is usually longer than our thank you God list. And we also just noted that sometimes grace gets eclipsed, and we, we kind of pay more attention to what we have done than what God has done, and that also can short-circuit being grateful people. So what do we do to uh, avoid those pitfalls? I love the concept that you brought up in the last segment about abiding Thanksgiving. And I think one of those things we can do to have an abiding Thanksgiving is that we can couple it with prayer. And if we remember in our prayers, then we put gratitude in the front of our prayers. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been teaching this to our kids before they go to school in the morning. We want to make sure that they learn to pray and they thank God for everything that he has done before they ask him to protect them as they go and all the things. And so praying is very important and rejoicing is important. It's also brought up in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've heard or learned or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. A lot in those few verses, Daryl. Oh, man, it's so good. So scripture is not redundant. We know this when we study scripture as pastors, but also anybody who's studying scripture, when you see words repeated, it's God's underline, it's God's Mm -hmm. all caps, it's God's emojis. He wants you to understand. (laughs) Rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. And if we live a life of rejoicing, we don't have much room for complaining. We, We actually become more grateful when we rejoice in what God has done. Even in the negative times, we can find ways to rejoice. And I like, too, that uh, Paul says, even when you're asking God for stuff, do that with Thanksgiving. <laughs> Present your petitions with Thanksgiving. And what does that mean? Well, maybe it's an anticipatory Thanksgiving. You know, I, I, I'm asking you for this, God, and I'm doing it with Thanksgiving because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you're going you're gonna to give it to me. Uh, and I've got a little retrospective Thanksgiving. You've given me lots of things I've asked for in the past. So even we're saying, please, God, 
we're saying thank you, God, at the same time. You can do it that way, Paul says. You can present your petitions with thanksgiving. Do that. I think it's beautiful because, I mean, faith works this way, Scott. Faith speaks as though things have already been completed. So you have already received what you ask God for when you pray. And so you can thank him for that, but you could also thank him for what he has already done. But then Paul turns the challenge over to us thinking about the things that are good and pure and acceptable. So he wants our minds to be focused on positive things. Accentuate the positive, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, big long list there. Think about those things, right? I mean, it's so easy um, in our lives. And let's admit, we all have things that are challenging. Uh, We live in a challenging world, a war-torn world. There are things that are genuinely distressing, things we genuinely have to lament in our prayers. True, we don't bracket that out just to try to be happy clappy all the day long. But but we try to counterbalance the, the sad realities with a focus on what God has already given that is good, that's noble, true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. And you think about that stuff long enough, you're going to be in a posture of gratitude. That's one idea. Pray that way. Teach your children, as you said, Daryl, to pray that way. A second idea uh, is a practice uh, that I learned about from uh, my colleague, uh, the theologian Neil Plantinga, who's got a new book coming out on gratitude very soon. And Neil encourages people, husbands, wives, roommates, family members, never let a day end without asking each other what's one thing that happened today for which you're thankful. And Neil says he and his wife do this every night before bed and even on days that kind of were lousy in other ways, even on those days, they can always each find one thing they're grateful for. So what we did in our family is that we created the shoebox. I don't know if I spoke about this before, Hmm. but we put the shoebox, we decorated it, and on the front of the box, we would put the big letters FJTD, for Jesus to do. And so we would put prayers of all kinds in the box. And at the end of the week or at the end of the month, we would look at the, open the box and say, look at what God has answered. He answered that prayer. You were praying for friends. He gave you two. You were praying for this uh, anxiety on the test. Look, you passed the test. So we're able to reflect on what God has done. And we started doing a tradition on Thanksgiving where we put a cloth out that we could write things that we are thankful for. So over the years, we see all the things Mm. that we're thankful for God to do in our lives and he has done in our lives. The idea is to have a long memory of God's grateful and faithful service in our lives. But again, even on days that are challenging, you know, when I was uh, the day I worked on this uh, script for this groundwork program, Daryl, my son's car had broken down at my parents house. And so I had to arrange for a tow truck to break to the shop and kind of a hassle interrupted the day. And yet, even in the middle of that, I I was grateful. Uh, The tow truck operator was friendly, courteous, had a good sense of humor. I was grateful we have tow truck operators. You know, you don't need a plumber and an electrician or a tow truck driver every day. But thanks be to God, when you do need them, God has called people into those things. And so even on a day where things are a little challenging, you can still find reasons to give thanks. Had a leak in my basement I had to call a plumber for, Mm. and I was thankful to be able to call a plumber because I would have messed it all up. I'm really glad that God has given people with those kinds of skills. When we live as people who are in a posture of thanksgiving, we actually stand in direct opposition to the world's way that says we should complain about all the things Mm. that are going wrong. So we're actually in protest of what the world says we should do when things don't go our way when we give thanks in the midst of challenges. Colossians 2, verse 6, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, now this line, and overflowing 
with thankfulness. Uh, I like to think of Barbara Brown Taylor, the preacher, said, you know, think of your life like a multi-tiered water fountain. The grace of God bubbles at the top, and it spills down into the next tier of your life and gives you great gifts. And then that spills down to the bottom tier where, where you can do things that make other people grateful, right? You serve them in humility, like we talked about in the previous program of the series. We overflow with thanksgiving. Uh, we noted earlier the connection between the word for grace, charis, and the word for thanks in Greek, you Charis. There's another word there, Daryl, charismata, which is the word for gifts, gracelets, mini graces. Graces are the gifts that God gives us. So all of life is a gift. And we often end these episodes by saying thanks be to Mm -hmm. God. So it would be pretty weird if we didn't say thanks be to God at the end of this one. So we will end it by saying thanks be to God. And thank you for listening and digging deeply into scripture with groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney, and join us again next time as we learn about the Christ-like virtue of generosity. Connect with us at our website, groundworkonline.com. There you can tell us what Groundwork means to you and make suggestions for future programs. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob.